Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. So one day while Jesus was praying, his first disciples, those first followers of Jesus, they were watching and they were listening and they looked at what he was doing and they were intrigued by it. And so after a few times of watching and listening to him pray, they finally got enough courage to ask him this question, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Because they'd concluded that the way that they were praying was probably not the best way to pray because they were watching and listening to Jesus and it was something that was compelling. They'd been taught to pray by their teachers at school, by their parents at home. They'd been taught to pray through the Psalms. They were even encouraged to memorize their prayers because they didn't write much down during that time. And so they would memorize their prayers. And as they went through the Psalms, it would be a way of remembering what God had done for them. But then when they watched Jesus and they listened to Jesus, they were like, maybe, maybe there is a better way. Now, I don't know if somebody has ever asked you to teach them to pray, or if you've ever asked somebody to teach you to pray. I know growing up in in my house, I was taught to pray those simple, basic, repetitive prayers, those repeatable prayers so that I could get it in my heart and in my head. Maybe for you, you came to know Jesus later in life, but you remember people praying when you were younger. You've heard people pray now that you're older. Here's the thing that both of us agree to. We don't want to pray out loud, right? We don't want to sound stupid. We don't want to sound silly. We don't want to sound foolish. And so A lot of us don't even want to acknowledge that we can pray out loud, even though it's a really good thing. But there was something about the way that Jesus prayed that captured that first audience, those first disciples. And Jesus was was doing something that they wanted to know about. So they asked him, would you teach us to pray? And what he had to say was actually really beneficial for them and beneficial for us. It was powerful and it was hopeful and It was helpful. And I think maybe we should be a bit eager to learn from Jesus on how to pray because truthfully, if we're gonna be honest and we're at church, so we should be honest, right? Don't we really think that maybe sometimes our prayers don't get answered the way that we would want? Maybe maybe for you, I know for me, there are moments where it just doesn't seem like God is even listening. And I'm not talking about those basic prayers, you know, like the prayers of, God, help me find my keys, and then you find your keys where you left them. Or God, help me find a parking space, and then you found a parking space, and it really, you found it because you were quicker than everybody else in the parking lot. Or God, help my team to win, and they ended up winning because they were expected to win. I'm not talking about those prayers. I'm talking about those prayers where there's nothing you can do except to turn to God, where you've done everything that you can. You're at the end of your rope. And you're asking God for a miracle. You're asking God to move. And if we're honest, there are times where it feels like we get nothing. There are times where it feels like God's not even listening. And yet, Jesus continued to pray. And the disciples continued to pray. And maybe they wrestled with what we were feeling and wrestled with what we were thinking. And it's why they went to Jesus and said, would you teach us how to pray because there was something about the way that Jesus prayed. It was like less scripted. It was more passionate, very intimate, and and it was compelling. 
And when they ask Jesus, hey, would you teach us? He goes into like typical Jesus mode. And he begins to teach this remarkable, extraordinary way to pray. But he starts by teaching them how not to pray. And over the next few weeks, starting today, we're going to talk about praying grown-up prayers so that we can pray like we mean it. And so if you're watching or if you're listening for the very first time, my name is Mike and I serve on the team here at Active. And I'm so glad that you're a part of the story that God is writing. But what Jesus has to teach us today and over the next few weeks, I believe, is going to help us in our time with our Heavenly Father. It's going to help us understand prayer and this great privilege that we have to have access to God. And when Jesus taught this, it was Matthew that actually wrote it down. And so if you have a Bible with you or the Bible app on your phone, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew's letter, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Matthew maybe was struggling with prayer and that's why he was so intrigued by what Jesus was saying that he had to write these things down so that he would know and so that others would know and that you and I would know. And so Jesus begins to teach them how to pray and he starts with what not to do. He begins this way. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Hypocrites being an actor, somebody who's pretending. Don't be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, which was the church of the time. And they love to pray standing on the street corners to be seen by others. Like Jesus starts by saying, listen, I have no tolerance. I have no tolerance for those who are pretending and those who are pretentious, those who are faking and those who think that they're better than everybody else. Jesus said, your words that you're, you're announcing out of your mouth are a reflection of what is in your heart. And this moment is a powerful moment, an important moment between you and God. And he says, those that pray pretending or those that have this pretentious kind of prayer, he says, truly, I tell you that they have received their reward in full. And their reward is this, that they were noticed and seen by people because that's why they're doing that. They're not looking for God's attention. They're looking for the attention of people around them. They want to flex on their spirituality or their religious practice. But then Jesus says, but let me talk about you. When you pray, which I just want to pause for a moment, because I think that this statement actually raises some really important questions for us and ultimately questions that Jesus was actually interested in. Like, when do you pray? And why do you pray? And, and where do you pray? I think these were things the disciples didn't even consider, but they were important to Jesus. The only thing that the disciples considered, maybe the same thing that you and I consider, is that I feel like we're doing this wrong. It just doesn't seem like prayer is working for us. And for them in that time, that was taught by their religious leaders. See, their religious leaders taught them that, hey, the reason why God's not hearing your prayers is because you're sinful. The reason why God's not hearing your prayers is because you don't have enough faith. He hears our prayers because we're the religious leaders, we're the pastors. And so you can come to us and tell us what you want to say to God and we'll handle it for you. But you can't because you're just terrible. You're evil. You're rotten. You're sinful. Maybe you've heard that before. And if we're honest, maybe you've even said that to yourself or maybe you've said that to others. And that perspective is not godly. It's not who God is. It reduces God to an ATM like if you have the right code, you can get the cash, right? If you have the right code with God, you can get what you want. And that's what these religious leaders were teaching. And it's why these disciples heard Jesus and watched Jesus pray. And they're like, could, could, we, ask, could we ask you about that? 
Because these guys, what they're teaching us, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't reflect God and we're just confused. And Jesus says, when you pray, verse six of Matthew six, go into your room. Now, if I were to suggest that you just can't pray while you're walking or while you're working or while you're driving, you might come back at me and say, who do you think you are, Mike, to tell me when and where and how I can pray? And listen, here's what I would say back to you. I'm not saying this. Jesus is suggesting this. So hear Jesus when he says, when you pray, go into your room. And then he says, close the door. And I asked, when I read that, I asked like, why? Why why would I isolate myself? Why is this necessary? But Jesus actually gives us the reason why it's necessary in just a few verses later. So we'll get there. So hang on to that tension, that question for a moment. And then Jesus says, and when you pray, Go and close the door, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Like the words of Jesus are very clear. He's inviting us and instructing us to pray to God. Listen very carefully. Not to Jesus, not to his mom, not to a saint, not to somebody who we admire, not using rocks or stones or cards, not praying to the sports gods. Jesus says that when you pray, pray to God, and then he gives him a title, your heavenly father. He uses this relational term, his father. Jesus is saying, I wanna invite you to find a place where you can have a private conversation with your heavenly father. A place where you can say whatever needs to be said, in whatever tone you need to use, a private place so that you're not distracted and you can pour your heart out. And then he says, and then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Like according to Jesus, there is a reward for secret prayers. For those that pray publicly, like we talked about earlier, the reward is that people see them and go, oh man, they're so spiritual. They're so religious. But Jesus says the reward for those who pray privately and intimately with their heavenly father. The reward is this, that you are seen by God himself. Now, what if that's true? What if that's true? That God sees you pray, that God is there with you, present with you. What if you knew that for certain? Would it change the way that you pray? That the God of the universe, infinite God is there in this moment of intimacy with you? According to Jesus, it's true. And this is what happens when we pray. And just so we're clear, then he adds another not. He says, here's how not to pray. He says in verse seven, and when you pray, don't keep babbling on like the pagans. Pagans are people that don't believe in a God. They believe that the more words they use, the more impressed God is with them. If there is a God, if there is an idol that they worship, if there is a spiritual being, he says, they think that they'll be heard because of these many words. Babbling is just being repetitive in your words. And listen, repetition doesn't move God. Eloquence doesn't move God. In fact, he actually shares a parable about this. A parable is a made up story with true principles. Jesus tells a story about a tax collector and a Pharisee, a religious leader. And he talks about their moment of prayer. And as he's telling the story, the audience would have gone, well, of course, God's gonna hear the religious leader, not the tax collector, because the religious leader is religious. The tax collector is sinful. But Jesus, as he is known for, he flips the script. 
And he shares about this tax collector praying a small, simple, but heartfelt, authentic prayer. And Luke actually writes it down where the tax collector pounds his chest because his heart is broken. And he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Because he knows what he's done. And he's focused in on God in that intimate moment with the infinite God. The Pharisee was just standing in front of people and pointing out the sinful man. Jesus says this, this is the best way to pray. Jesus actually high fives this guy because the most impressive prayers often come from those who aren't living to impress. And, and what, what you say when you pray is far less important than if you pray at all. And then Jesus continues the thought in verses seven and eight. He says, when you pray, your father knows what you need before you even ask him. To which I, I've been a Christian a long time and maybe you have too, or maybe you're new to this. It brings up an interesting question, right? Like, wait, so he already knows? So then why am I praying? Like if God already knows, then why am I even talking to him about this? Which is what I think Jesus wanted us to ask. I think Jesus wanted us to feel that tension. By the way, if you have to tell God about what's going on in your life, he's probably not God, right? But Jesus wants us to wrestle with that tension and then he addresses it in the very next thing that he says. And these are gonna be familiar words to many of you. He says in verse nine, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven. Jesus is inviting us into something that's more than just a spiritual moment He's inviting us into something that's more than just speaking to this heavenly being. It's more than just this religious practice. God is more than just a deity. He's more than just a ruler. Jesus is inviting us into something that's intentional and relational. He says, Jesus says, God in the flesh says that the best way to understand and approach and relate to God is to approach him as a perfect heavenly father. This is why Jesus says he already knows what you need because I'm a dad and I may not know everything that my kids need because I'm not a perfect heavenly father, but I'm a father and I know when my kids are struggling and I know when my kids are joyful. I may not know all the details like God knows the details in my life, but as a dad, I want my kids, whether I know or not, I want them to come and to sit with me, sit on my lap with me, embrace me, snuggle with me, tell me, talk to me. I want to know that stuff because I'm their dad and I want to meet their needs. And Jesus says, and your father in heaven is better than any earthly father that you could be or that you have ever had. And so approach him as your heavenly father. Infinite God in an intimate way. Now, for some of us, we've had good dads. And so this is easy, right? But for others, we haven't had a dad at all or our dad was terrible. And what Jesus is saying here is, listen, your heavenly father is not like your dad. Your dad can sometimes be like your heavenly father, but God is a good God and a good heavenly father. And he wants you to bring all of everything that you're feeling, every tension, every emotion, every struggle, every thought, everything that's inside of you. He wants you to step into this experience with him, into this moment with him. Bring all that you're thinking and feeling because he's your dad. He's your heavenly father. And then Jesus says, when you start there, the next thing I want to invite you to step into is these words, hallowed be your name. 
Hallowed is a moment that causes people to pause. It's a word that would cause you to stop and, whoa, take, take a breath. Have you ever seen a celebrity or maybe your favorite sports player? Or maybe you've seen somebody that you admired or looked up to and you saw them in real life and you went, oh, it's, it's them, right? It's Tom Hanks, right? Or for me, it would be, it's Mike Trout from the Angels, right? You know, or well, whoever it might be. You see them and you're moved and you're like, they're, they're a real person. They, they live and breathe and they have families, right? There's something surreal about that moment. This word hallowed is similar to that. Except what you're doing in this moment is you're recognizing that God is holy. That God is infinite. That God is the creator of all things. And yet you get access to him. What a privilege this is. Again, infinite God in an intimate space, in an intimate moment. And so this moment causes us to pause and to recognize this privilege. Friends, this is why Jesus says, when you pray, like go into your room, close the door. Because it's hard, it's hard to recognize who God actually is when we're in a hurry, when we're driving to work, when we're walking the dog, when we're in the midst of some sort of chaos. It doesn't mean that you can't pray in those moments. So don't hear me say that or hear Jesus say that. He's not calling it bad. But Jesus wants us to recognize who it is that we're actually having space with and being able to talk with who is creating a moment with us, our heavenly father. And he doesn't want us to miss. He wants us to acknowledge this privilege, this opportunity, because when we pause to reflect on who God is, we gain a better understanding of who we are, why we're here. And isn't that really why we're engaging with God? We want to know who we are. We want to know why we're here. It was Mark Twain that said there's two days in the life of any person that are so important. The day they're born and the day they find out why. And that's what God brings clarity to. And if we skip over this, we, we miss what follows. If we skip over this, we miss the purpose of prayer, why we pray. If we skip over this, we miss out on this infinite God in this intimate moment. That's why Jesus is like, I, I want you to find a place and a time. I want you to pause because what comes next is powerful. Verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I'm Mike, I'm, I'm human, I'm, I'm sinful. And maybe you are similar to me. We have those moments where when we talk to God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is this tension that we ride of like, okay, well, what about my stuff? What about my kingdom? What about, what about my needs and my way and my desires? And I think Jesus, he hears us, hears our heart, hears our thoughts, hears our words and goes, I already covered that. Your heavenly father already knows what you need before you ask. He already knows what you need. So you don't even need to start there. You don't need to start with what it is that you want, what it is that you desire. You don't need to start there because God already knows a better start in your moment when you're talking with God, in your moment of prayer is to say, God, you first, your kingdom come, your will be done. How it is up there, bring it down here. I wanna help. I don't wanna get in the way. I wanna walk with you. I wanna grab your hand, grab your arm. I wanna be a part of building what it is that you're building. This is what Jesus invites us into because the purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not impose our will to surrender our will, not impose our will. Prayer is about being moved by God, not moving God. 
According to Jesus, this is what it's all about. And he modeled that for us when he prayed. In his most famous prayer, his most pivotal prayer was when he was in the garden before he went to the cross. And he said to his heavenly father, to your heavenly father, to my heavenly father, not my will, but yours. Which means that he could have chosen his will. And do you know what hung in the balance of Jesus choosing our heavenly father's will over his will? You hung in the balance. I hung in the balance. The cross and the resurrection hung in the balance. Jesus saying, not my will, but yours, heavenly father, means that he went to the cross and brought forgiveness and he rose from the grave and brought freedom. Like that's what hung in the balance for all of us. And he submitted and surrendered to the will of our heavenly father, his heavenly father, of God in heaven. And I get it. We struggle with this, don't we? We struggle with this because we have egos. We're selfish. We struggle with this because we're Americans, right? We love to do what we want when we want. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We get to do whatever we want, say whatever we want. And then we interact with Jesus and he goes, it's good for you to bow. It's good for you to bow to your heavenly father and to trust him and to depend upon him and to surrender to him. And we're like, oh, oh, bow. Maybe the disciples were like, hmm. And they weren't even Americans, <laughs> but they were humans, they had egos, pride. And they're like, oh, bow? This is what we're inviting, we're being invited into? The point that Jesus is, is bringing us to is this, until our will is surrendered to God, prayer is our time to use and consume God, or at least our attempt to use and consume God. Like if you quit praying because God didn't answer your prayer the way that you would hope, what does that say about your view of God? Like if you quit praying because God didn't answer the prayer the way that you had hoped, you assumed that God should do what it is that you asked him to do. You assumed that he should move on your, you assumed that. And truthfully, we conclude in those moments, if God doesn't answer the way that we would hope that either God doesn't answer prayer or God doesn't care or God isn't there. And let me just tell you this, that's understandable. If you asked and it didn't go the way that you would hope, it's understandable to, to struggle with that. If God is a favor distributor, if that's what God does, if he's a, a vending machine or a slot machine, then it would be understandable for us to be frustrated that God didn't do what we asked him to do. But friends, what if Jesus is correct? That God is your heavenly father, that his plan includes you, but doesn't center around you, that God hears you, sees you, cares for you, but it doesn't mean that you get whatever you want whenever you want it. Listen, God's not your good luck charm. God is your heavenly father, according to Jesus. He says, man, then I wanna invite you because that's the perspective we hold. I wanna invite you to recognize that, submit to that, when we recognize who God is, we begin to recognize who we're not and we begin to recognize why we need him. The reason that you may find yourself trying to pray yourself out of a situation is because you didn't begin surrendered to God's way anyway. Jesus is inviting us to surrender to our Father's will because prayer isn't about you. Prayer is about your heavenly Father who loves you and that's why he invites us to get away 
and to acknowledge who it is that we're having a conversation with, infinite God in an intimate space. So get alone, Jesus says. Be, be undistracted, Jesus says. Let it be informal because he's your dad. Make it short. You don't have to keep going on and on and on and on because he knows. He knows what's in you. He knows what's on your mind and in your heart. Dress God as Father. Acknowledge his greatness and his goodness. And tell him that his agenda comes first in your life before your agenda. This is what Jesus is teaching us. And if you struggle with this, welcome to humanity. You struggle with this, welcome to being alive. And this is a part of why we approach God, because we're learning how to be like Jesus. We're, we're growing to be like Jesus, to serve rather than be served. We want to be people that are a part of something bigger and better than us, a part of the kingdom of God. The one thing is very clear in this conversation, according to Jesus. When we ask the question, does prayer work? Jesus says, absolutely. Prayer works for us because it, it puts us in our place. It helps us to know where we are and where God is and what God does for us and in us and through us. So what if this week we began, we began to pray as Jesus invites us to pray. This isn't the full conversation, by the way. We have three more conversations over the next three weeks, but this is the start. And Jesus says, start your prayer in, in two ways. Declare God's greatness and then submit to his goodness. If you're watching this, I wanna invite you to just place your hands above your head. Even if you're listening to this, place your hands above your head and say with me, declare God's greatness and then place your hands with your palms up in front of you and say with me, declare God's goodness. Submit to his goodness. So declare who he is and what he does and submit to what he wants to do in your life and through your life. And then we'll pick it up there next week. Let me pray for you. And so Heavenly Father, we declare your goodness and your greatness. We declare who you are and what you've done and what you continue to do. And we submit to your goodness and your greatness, understanding that it is your will over ours, your kingdom over our kingdom. We understand you know what it is that we need before we even ask, but we ask that you would fill us with your courage, with your spirit, so that we would be the people that you created us to be. And in those moments of tension, in those moments of chaos, in those moments of doubt, in those moments of questions, God, we would turn to you. And when things don't make sense, we would turn to you. And when things make sense, we would turn to you. And when things are hard and heavy, we would turn to you. And when things are joyful and celebratory, we would turn to you. Because you are our heavenly Father. And so hallowed be your name. And your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because of Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray all of these things. And together we say amen and amen and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. 
And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. in Yukaipa. See you next time.